Please listen carefully. Hello there, toppers, and welcome to episode 23 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. Today, I'm going to tell y'all about some of the common things we say down here in the southeastern United States, also known as heaven on earth. Life is a bit different down here. Time passes in a slower fashion, people wave to neighbors and strangers alike, and even our healthy foods will clog your arteries. I'll be the first to admit that I'm not the perfect southerner, mainly because I somehow never developed a taste for the nectar of most southerners, sweet tea. I know I don't have the strong drawl that most people who don't live around here might expect me to have, but the more excited I get, the more southern my speech gets. Even with those things, I am a southern girl through and through, and I love living in Alabama. I lived in Missouri for a few years in high school, but I moved back to Alabama after my freshman year of college. Those few years living in another state only solidified what I'd always known and still believe to this day. The Deep South, especially Alabama, is just about the best place on earth to live. We do things big or not at all, and there is sincerity to be found everywhere. And one of the things we do better than anybody else is make up sayings, or make old ones our own. We have slang and phrases that make perfect sense to us and to no one else. So today, I'm going to go over a few phrases that we love down here and explain them and where they came from. Okay, sorry, I can really get to rambling when it comes to the South because I truly love it down here, but that's enough of that. Pull up a rocking chair and let's move on to today's phrases and their origins, history, and more. Now, since the phrases we're looking at today aren't as old as some of the ones we normally look at, there isn't as much history and information to sift through. Therefore, we're going to have more phrases than usual today, but we'll spend less time on each one. With that out of the way, the first phrase I want to dive into today is too big for your britches. The meaning of this saying is that you're conceited. This phrase is thought to have been coined by Davy Crockett. But even if he didn't come up with it, the first use in print is also attributed to him. In his book, An Account of Colonel Crockett's Tour to the North and Down East, which he wrote in 1835, we first see this phrase being used the way we use it today. He wrote, quote, I myself was one of the first to fire a gun under Andrew Jackson. I helped to give him all his glory. But I liked him well once. But when a man gets too big for his breeches, I say goodbye. End quote. Davy Crockett was a popular figure on television in the 1950s, but he also represented Tennessee in the U.S. House of Representatives. His popularity, both in the fictional world and the real world, is part of how this phrase became so popular. Now for another phrase beloved by Southerners, playing possum. To play possum can mean you're literally pretending to be dead, but the idiomatic version can be used to describe someone being dishonest. The idiomatic version of the saying has been used since at least the early 19th century. This saying came about because of the possum's trait of pretending to be dead when threatened. Many animals will lie still when they feel their life is in danger, but no animal is as well known for the practice as this marsupial. They're quite good at it too and are extremely convincing when they're pretending to be gone from this world. The first believed use in print comes from an 1843 edition of the Washington Globe. It stated that, quote, So it seems the Whigs are to play possum again in the coming campaign, though one would suppose they had bad experience enough in that game to teach them that honesty is the best policy. End quote. 
That's all I've got for this saying, so now let's look at Good Lord Willing and the Creek Don't Rise. This saying basically means if all goes well. It's often used when someone isn't sure if they can make it to something or how something will go. For example, if you were invited to a party and you wanted to go but didn't know what your schedule would be, you'd respond to the invitation by saying, I'll be there, good lord willing, and the creek don't rise. It's been attributed to many famous people of old, including both Abraham Lincoln and Andrew Jackson. But no one knows for sure who first said it or when. It was definitely in use around the time that both Lincoln and Jackson were alive. It was first recorded in print in a mock speech from June 1851, published in Graham's American Monthly Magazine, a Philadelphia periodical. This is what it said, quote, Feller citizens, I'm not accustomed to public speaking before such highfalutin audiences. Yet here I stand before you a speckled hermit, wrapped in the risen sun counterpane of my popularity, and intending, providence permitting and the creek don't rise, to go it blind. End quote. In November of 1894, we see this saying again, this time in the South, in the Lafayette Gazette from Louisiana. Quote, we are an American people, born under the flag of independence, and if the Lord is willing and the creeks don't rise, the American people who made this country will come pretty near controlling it. End quote. Some people theorize that this saying was made somewhat popular when a radio broadcaster named Bradley Kincaid used it in the 1930s. But even after Kincaid started using it, it didn't really take off until the 1950s. But, good Lord willing and the creek don't rise, this phrase won't fall out of popularity anytime soon. Now let's explore the saying, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans, which means that something isn't worth much. It may also be used to say that advice someone gave you is worthless, or that a person hasn't lived up to their full potential. In the case of the latter, you'd exchange it for he or she and say something more like, he hasn't amounted to a hill of beans. No one knows exactly when this phrase got its start, but beans have been seen as an overall worthless item since at least 1734, when the original version of Jack and the Beanstalk appears as an English fairy tale called The Story of Jack Spriggins and the Enchanted Bean. In any version of the Jack and the Beanstalk story, we find the protagonist making a trade that others see as foolish, because he trades a cow for just a few beans. Now, even if the beans hadn't turned out to be magic, they could have been planted and cultivated into food, yet they were still seen as worthless. The phrase really took off in popularity thanks to Casablanca, which came out in 1942. In it, Humphrey Bogart's character, Rick Blaine, says to Ingrid Berman's character, Ilsa Lund, quote, Ilsa, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. End quote. Now for today's next phrase, knee-high to a grasshopper. This phrase usually means someone is short, but it is also used to say someone is young. This saying actually got its start as knee-high to a toad, which was first recorded in the early 19th century. It's had many variations, including bumblebee, mosquito, even a jackrabbit, but grasshopper is the most commonly heard version. We know that grasshopper was in use for the phrase by at least the mid-19th century because it can be found in an 1851 edition of the Democratic Review, a periodical published by John O. Sullivan, an American politics writer and advocate for the Democratic Party. He wrote, quote, You pretend to be my daddies, some of you who are not knee-high to a grasshopper. End quote. 
I couldn't find any more information on this one, but it's also a favorite around here, so I felt it should be included in today's episode. Next is the phrase, you look road hard and put up wet. Now don't worry toppers, you don't need to cover the ears of any little toppers. This phrase is far more innocent than it may sound. If someone tells you that you look road hard and put up wet, they simply mean that you look tired, bedraggled, or maybe even sick. It has to do with how horses should be treated after a ride, particularly a hard one. If you ride a horse to the point of sweat, then once the ride ends and you've removed the saddle, you need to walk the horse around to give them ample time to dry off, and then brush them well to remove any dried sweat and dirt. If you don't do this, the horse will end up looking far less healthy than it might be, and sometimes they might actually get sick if they are put up in a stable while too hot and sweaty. Since putting a horse up improperly leads to a horse not looking its best, it's easy to see how this practice became idiomatic. This phrase has likely been around for as long as humans have been riding horses, but American singer Tennessee Ernie Ford helped make it more popular. He was putting out music from the 1950s to the 1980s, so it's not surprising he had an effect on the popularity of this saying. And with that, it's time for today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. Today's southern metaphor is full as a tick. To be full as a tick means that you're so full after eating that you feel as if you could burst. This saying was cited as a proverb by the Oxford English Dictionary in 1678, so it has to be older than that. The idea behind this saying is that ticks swell up a lot when they get full of blood. In fact, depending on the type of tick, they can eat anywhere from 200 to 600 times their body weight before becoming fully engorged. Another fact, while in the nymph stage, they typically take 2 to 3 days to get totally engorged, and adults will take 4 to 7 days. And now, before we all start itching, let's move on to today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, I've got the book here, and it's opened to a page of Samuel Johnson's works. And from his work, The Rambler, the quote for today is, Curiosity is one of the permanent and certain characteristics of a vigorous mind. I'd have to say I agree, Mr. Johnson. And that's going to do it for today's familiar quotation. Well, toppers, that's all I've got for episode 23. Thank you again for joining me to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and you learned something along the way. You can check out my show notes for all of my social media, contact, and sponsor information. Don't forget that you can send me topic suggestions, just let me know if you want a shout out or if you want to remain anonymous. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a review. A five-star rating and a quick review are really the best way you can help me and the podcast out. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, produced, and hosted by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers. Y'all come back now, you hear?
Hey toppers, I know no one likes ads, but I do need to pay the bills real quick. And even though the show's technically over, I thank you for sticking around for just a few more seconds. If you go to the support the podcast page on my website, turnofphrases.com, you can see the offers I currently have available to you as a topper from Audible, Boss Boxes, and Amazon. The offers do change, so make sure you check back from time to time. Okay, I'll let you go now. Thanks for listening.